Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. The Statwaddy game, I'm going first. Cool. And, uh, and we're going to go back to the early 60s. Right. The, the United States of America. Probably it's more specifically the East Coast of the United States of America. Yep. Because we're talking about the leading lights of what it was known as the folk revival. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. That era that is affectionately lampooned in that wonderful Christopher Guest film, A Mighty Wind. A Mighty Wind. Which Brilliant. We film. Heartily recommend to people. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. So these are five names of folk singing aggregations of that era and that geographical location. One of them, one of the five, is entirely invented by me. Okay. Cool. Here we go. Here we go. The folk singers. <laughs> That's a great name. The freedom, yep. the freedom singers. Yep. The highwaymen, the rooftop singers, and the brothers four. The folk singers, the freedom singers, the highwaymen, the rooftop singers, and the brothers four. Which of those is entirely my imagination? Wow. The um that's very good. The folk singers is such a prosaic name that it must be. True. What's it's like? It's like calling a group the pop group. What's was a group called the pop group? There was a group um, called. Yes, yeah, so what we're talking about. Um, so that I think is real. Freedom singers is trying quite hard to be a little bit um, political. So I think that's probably real too. Rooftop singers possibly. That's more of a soul thing, isn't it? But I think that might work. Brothers Ford definitely. That's the kind of. Uh, kind of funky fraternity that you'd expect but I, i'm i think for some reason that it's the highwayman that's you think the, the highwayman i okay. think that's made up but well, you, you've walked into my trap go on go on <laughs> the highwaymen were real they were all real apart from the folk singers oh no that's fantastic uh, i went through long lists and there are millions of them called the something singers the something singers and the rooftop singers of course had a hit record in britain uh, with walk right in, sit right down, daddy, let your mind roll on. Oh, yeah, 
Where wasn't Roger McGuinn very early on? Wasn't he a member of the Rooftop Singers? They, they were one of those. I think there were there were millions of members of the Rooftop Singers that, that used to feature on TV programs. Anyway, the one I made up were the folks. Fant- that's brilliant because so it's I, so it's so it's so kind of a. Crap. Uh, uh, it's crap. <laughs> you think it must be real. Yeah, yeah. yeah That's yeah. amazing. Very good. Well, good work from you. You have okay. me. Over uh, you. Over yeah, to all you. right. Okay. Five rock stars autobiographies. Okay. Mostly with oh, puntastic that's titles. A good idea. Five that's rock stars good autobiographies. Good idea. Okay. One of them invented by me. Spot the ringer. Okay. Number one is Peter Talk's Monkey Business. Number two is David Van Day's Another Day. Another dollar. <laughs> All right. Number three is Pat Benatar's Between a Heart and a Rock Place. <laughs> this is a brilliant... Number four. Oh, you like it? I'm good. Number good. four is Gene Simmons' Kiss and Makeup. <laughs> That's great. And number five is John Otway's autobiography, I Did It Otway. <laughs> Well, you've got you've got Peter Talks those, Monkey Business. Those are brilliant. All five of them are absolutely oh, fantastic. Another you've, day, another dollar. You missed your vocation, which should have been making up titles of rock uh, autobiographies for publishers, <laughs> because all of those are better than lots of the ones that went and got onto the shelves. I love I, I love that kind of whole tradition of tortuous puns. Do you remember Alan Hansen had a book out called Tall, Dark, and Hansen? <laughs> It's just, it writes itself, doesn't it? Footballers are a different... It has to be done. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, I have to say, I haven't heard of any of those five. Um, so I'm going to just have to actually plump for just one. I don't believe David Van Day even wrote an autobiography. He did. No, he, oh, did. <laughs> he did. But isn't it genius? Another day, another dollar. I mean, all bases covered. No, he did. That's real. And so is Pat Benatar's Between a Heart and a Rock Place, which is actually, I think, the title of a song that she had once. Kiss and Makeup is real. I mean, that's a genius title. It, it had to be. Yeah, that's it. And I Did It Otway is also real. Although it could have just as easily been called Baby, That's Really Me. Oh, yes. yes, yes, yes. I would have thought so. No, the yes. one I made up was Monkey Business by Peter Talk. I did wonder about that. There was, about there was whether a book. it was Monkey Business. Or it's monkey. monkey. It's Monkey Business. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I should have pronounced that. Yeah. But uh, but there was a book by David Jones, although he didn't write it. There was a Kettle, book, Kettle. a memoir after it came out after he died. So it was a, a memoir rather than autobiography called "They Made a Monkey Out of Me" by oh, David really? Jones. Yeah, yeah. But that's those. So yeah. So I win. That rare occasion, I actually win. Well, I think we both win. Glad you, you win it. your we your round, uh, and I, yeah. uh, I win mine. Uh, so, uh, uh, moving on. Uh, yesterday was uh, introduce a personal note. Our wedding anniversary. I remember. Uh, uh, yeah, and um, well, last year was a very significant one, so we had a bit of a party. But this one was just me and the missus went out for went out for a meal. Um, and anyway, I was I was reminded of the day we got married many years ago, uh, going between the register office and the reception, just walking up Lewis High Street in Sussex. And and once a magazine person, always a magazine person, you're supposed to be you know entirely involved in the fact that it's your wedding day and so forth. But I, you'll sympathise with it. 
I was distracted momentarily by looking at a shop window and going, look, oh, the new issue of Smash Hits. <laughs> You're going to say you rushed off and bought a copy of Melody, mate. Well, no, no, <laughs> no, I no, don't. No, the new issue, mate, you've told me this before, it's Smash Hits. It's the one with, it's September 79, it's got the specials on the cover. It's it? got the specials right? on the cover. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I know, I'm I've just got a copy. Look, I'm just looking at it now. It's got inside in its, uh, you know, in its contents, it's got Buffon Boogie, which is which is a, a piece where David Hepworth flips his wig for the B-52. The B-52. Oh, I've read it. It's fantastic. Can I just I say, mean, you write the whole issue. I probably do, you've actually. Written, I think God, you've written, I did. Yeah, you've written the whole thing. Cause there's the Talking thing about my general panel. Yes. There's a thing about the flannel panel where you say something like, uh, rush down to the news agents and reserve your copy of Scratch It. Why are you still here? Yeah, move it. Like it's, it's all it's got your kind of uh, style to it. And That's... then there's, there's the thing about the B-52s, which, as you say, which is brilliant. And it's got... Um, you know, uh, you talking about their, their wigs and also the fact they have no conventional bass guitar. You've got a B.A. Robert. You write all the news stories. I can tell it's you. <laughs> B.A. Robertson took five years to become an overnight sensation. Um, <laughs> there's, uh, there's a thing about Cliff Richard. Uh, life begins at 39 for Cliff Richard. He may not be everyone's cup of able team, but he's got more hair than Howard DeVoto. Isn't that great? Then you, as I say, there's a B-52. Then you interview the jam. Which is great. Uh, you, there's a bit where you said, I switched off my tape recorder while they discussed Tubeway Army. Because Paul Weller says, I like all the new bands except that electronic lot. Which is brilliant. So he doesn't <laughs> like anybody with a synthesizer. Then you interview the specials. And then you wrote That's a piece about Eddie Cochran. I know. The entire issue is written by you. You wrote a piece about Eddie Cochran, which I think is very special. Also, clearly, you've written the quiz. Because the quiz has questions that allude to the Mar- Marquis de Sade, John Coltrane and Salvador Dali. I'm thinking that is A, very Hepworth, and B, very Smash Hits. Because Smash Hits really used to kind of pitch beyond the, uh, beyond the brief, didn't it? You've really got John Coltrane in the Marquis. John Coltrane is mentioned in there, Salvador Dali, Marquis de Sade. Isn't that fantastic? That's brilliant. I love it, I love it. I'm love so, it. I never, when I picked it out, I never realised that, that that was the case, that I'd written so much of it. Because all, all I'm going by is I can remember so clearly seeing that cover in the, in the newsagent's window. Yeah. I'm thinking, that's a good cover. It's a, really it's a great good cover. cover. Uh, but that must have been before you joined, if I was it's right. Before I joined, it's before I joined. Actually, there's another piece you wrote, which is about madness, where you're introducing people to madness and telling them who they are. How their song, their name comes up from, comes from a Prince Buster song. They're from North London, and they're very exciting. And you've all been doing the nutty dance in the office, uh, which might be a slight exaggeration. So, yeah, yes, incredible. It might be. No, before my time. Good grief. So, uh, yeah, I just thought... Uh, of course, now, nowadays you, you can find all of those things on on the internet, can't you? Which is uh, which is where we found them. where we found it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The Word Podcast: Prime cuts of popular culture served fresh each week. So I was reading uh, somewhere the other day that Steve Jones of the Sex Pistols is sixty five. Oh, well. He's an old age pensioner, and weirdly, I didn't find that remotely shocking or troublesome. And I don't really know why that is. Is that something to do with punk rock? Is it that punk rock was not forged in the white heat of impeccable good looks and youth? And you know, I don't know. So, you, did you? It just doesn't matter to me that, that your punk rockers are getting old. No, I suppose it doesn't matter to me at all. I mean, it hasn't mattered to me for years because I remember Mick Jagger. I'm old enough to remember Mick Jagger in his probably when he was about thirty, saying, "I can't imagine doing this when I'm 40. Yeah. <laughs> 
and that is you know that's 40 years ago more than 40 years ago um you well, know that was so, the physical thing wasn't it he never thought he'd be fit enough to be able to kind of run around long stages also i think they, they also probably thought that their kind of earning potential and so forth and the interest in them would decline anything anything but it's oddly oddly enough increase you know as we as we frequently remark on this podcast, it's the only job in the world where they seem to get more appealing and more wealth the older they get. You know, it doesn't, doesn't apply to anything else at all, as far as I can I can work out. But it's you know, it's always interesting to reflect on the strange anomalies of um, of, of pop star ages, which sent me looking for and uh, strange things like Donny Osmond, Toya, and Madonna. Are all the same age? Do you know what that age is? Uh, I well, I think it's got. Is it sixty two? Sixty two. Michael Jackson will be sixty two because he's born almost exactly the same day, the same year as so, though, wasn't he? So okay. So, and I think it's really interesting because Donny Osmond, sixty two, was very famous in what nineteen seventy two, something exactly. like that. Yeah. Uh, Toya was very famous in what nineteen eighty. When when was It's a Mystery? Oh, or... yeah, 1881 was around then, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay, and Madonna starts being really famous in, well, the mid-'80s. Now, you yeah. know that people come in at various different stages, don't they? But they are, but, but, but they still have the same kind of uh, biological age, you know. They're the career age. Yeah. Seems, seems wildly different. Of course, we, were, we had our quiz, our regular quiz on, on Friday evening, for Patreon um, uh, supporters, and uh, and the solution to that quiz will involved in reference to Ian Hunter, and who of course Ian Hunter is who is ancient, wasn't he? When he started, he was he knew, we all knew he was pretty ancient, but he's older than the Stones, isn't he? He's <laughs> was he born was he born during the. F- Second World War? No, my He was born think. before the first. Before, before I was about before to say, the first World War. Yeah. <laughs> he was. <laughs> He was born with the Archduke Franz Ferdinand was still alive. Uh, no, <laughs> he was born three months before the German invasion of Poland. Yeah. So he was born in, you know, kind of summer or whenever, summer 1939. Yeah. That which probably doesn't make him older than Bill Wyman. Bill Wyman has probably just slightly got the edge on it. I can't remember who Bill Wyman's exact age. But that's um, right, because Bill Wyman did national service, didn't he? So he must have been born, I guess, in the 30s. Must that's been, yeah. a good point. Yes. Yeah, he did. So Whereas, when hey, rock stars who did national service. Bill Wyman can't. Definitely. So anybody, I think because I think because John Peel did national service. John so Peel I think, did. And he was born in about 38, I think. So if you were born in the 30s, you probably did. Do you know? I never thought of it that like that. Uh, and th- there aren't many others, are there? Because that was the great, uh, that was a great break point that made the Beatles and the Stones and all those bands possible was the fact that they didn't have to do. They national didn't service. have to do national service. So, and so at some point in the late fifties, they came to know that they weren't going to have to do national service. Before then, it must have always been hovering. And of course, the other interesting age anomalies: Hank Marvin. Only 78, a mere 78. You know, so Hank Marvin, round about Which the is, same age as, as Mick Jagger. and I mean, how old's Paul McCartney? Yeah, Paul McCartney's born in 1942, so he's 78, isn't he? So, same age. Same age. Same age. Well, the shadows started really young. 
as did loads of these groups, but the Shadows particularly started really young. I think Hank Marvin and Bruce Welsh kind of left home in Newcastle or wherever they came from, somewhere in the northeast of England, and headed to London about the age of 15 <laughs> and pretty much lived in digs in Finsbury Park, you know what I mean, with their parents, n- not knowing and probably not desperately caring where they were either, you know. We're going to go and make it in that music business in that London. And they were 15, 16 years old when they slowly came into the orbit of the Cliffridge and the Shadows and all that stuff. It's extraordinary, really. It's incredible. And it's reflected in the fact that, you know, Hank Marvin, who was a big star in sort of 1960, is three years younger than Ian Hunter, who wasn't well known until until the mid-70s. It's a strange thing, isn't it? It's extraordinary. But there's certain people who started late, didn't they? Debbie Harry's one. So you knew that Debbie Harry had started late. In, in, you know, she'd been in various popular... You know, she yeah. in The Wind in the Willows, wasn't she? Wind, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. She, and I didn't think she joined Blondie until she was... Oh, was it late 20s, early 30s? I don't know. So she's 75, but you kind of know she's going to be a bit older. Charlie Harper of the UK subs. What a classic. Oh, oh God. I mean, he was a gnarled old bruiser at the time, wasn't he? He's he was a hairdresser, wasn't he? I think he must have been. I think he was a hairdresser. Yeah, he's 76. 76. Uh, yeah, so uh, Andy Summers, of course, was older than, you know, the, the rest of the gang, wasn't he? Considerably. So he's 77. Well, Andy Summers was, um, had been a member of Zoot Money's Big Roll Band. And there's a wonderful picture, which you can find on the internet, of, I think it's Rod Stewart on this picture as well. I can't remember. It's taken in, like, Warder Street or somewhere, in a, in a kind of club doorway in the mid-60s, and it's a black-and-white picture, and it looks, it's the most brilliant, you know, it conveys the mid-60s, that kind of beat-boom R&B thing. And there's Andy Summers, probably about 16 years old. In a, you know, I've in seen a, that. In a, in a very a neat s- jacket. kind of school, but a little tiny guy with a neat jacket. Yeah, and tie, yeah, right yeah. It's absolutely beautiful picture. So he's 77. Yeah. Susie Sue, 63. Which is probably younger than I would have said, actually. Yeah, I would have thought so. Yeah. Um, I wonder if these people are lying about their age in the 60s. <laughs> I wouldn't hear Are they sneaking onto Wikipedia at dead of night and, and lopping a couple of age, a couple of years off them? Because you know what it's like when, you know, because it must be if you're in punk rock, if you're in punk rock, it must be like, be like having been to school with all those people that you you remember clearly that they were older than you or younger than you when they were 18, 19. And then suddenly... (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly they get to their 50s and 60s. Hang on, they've gone into reverse. It doesn't seem right at all. So, um, anyway, you and I, we're we're at uh, a mutual friend's the other day, Um, Brent Hanson. Brent's very big on hip radio, isn't he? Brent's always the person introducing you to new little sources of strange radio coming through the internet. I don't yeah. know if you've found this in the past. And he was he was playing this thing. I said, what's, what's this music? And he said, it's coming from NTS. Had you ever heard of NTS? Before? I've never heard of it, no. And it's... I, it's a it's a kind of free station, isn't it? That puts together sound so kind of sound playlists in, in just in certain genres. Is that right? It's absolutely yeah, well, yes, yes, you are right. But it's also, I mean, I do urge people to go have a look at this. You can find it on the internet, or they've got their own app and so forth. NTS. It's not the snappiest name you've ever heard of, but it clearly it, it kind of works. And and they just do 
they they stream the playlists of hipster DJs. That's basically what it is. It's hipster radio from all over the world, but very carefully divided into various different strands. So you've got one strand that's kind of jazzy. You've got one strand that's kind of electronic. You've got one strand that's slightly oldies. And then within that, subdivided again into things that just have kind of cool hip names you know half half the half the name of the game here is can you have a cool hip visual to go with your stream of music and can you have a cool hip you know name for it you know like let's get yachts or you know that kind of is thing is that what one of them's called bumping on sunset you know what, um, what, what kind of music does let's get yachts play i don't know i haven't gone and looked empire of signs getting warmer you know Jarro Sounder, you know, it's micro-dosing. It's just absolutely amazing. Brilliant. And, the, and these pictures of the people who put together these streams. And, you know, the, the traditional photograph of a DJ used to be somebody kind of like Alan Freeman or Tony Blackman, who was thumbs up, you know. Yeah. They, 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 were, they were holding a record. Eager whatever. to please. Eager to yeah. please. These people, anything but, you know, all the males have all got beards. Just without exception, you know, the males have all got beards, and and they're all they're all looking at the camera as if to say this is a serious business. But also partly to do with the fact that they don't speak, do they? Very much. I suppose do they, so. do they, they don't really talk because you know Tony Blackman. I'll point Tony Blackman. Is, I'm a personality, and what I've got to say is a key part of the equation. I suppose. But so. these guys, I mean, that thing we were listening to at Brent's was um, it's just it's just uh, there's no there's no voice at all. No. no. Well, it's, but, just, it's just it's just programmed music, which is terrific. There's no kind of uh, interruption. Hey, but it's, a, a, it's really worth listening to because what they're doing is they're storing up this stuff and it's all just there. And so once you start, and the reason I wanted to mention it, is you just get into this endless depth. You know, you can just spend your life going into this. And this is just one service. And it struck me when... Um, you know, in the in the in the the week or whenever it is that the new director general of the BBC has, has taken over, you know, Tim Davey, and he's you know he's made a few statements, and I think one of the things he said that is that they probably ought to do they ought to do slightly less but better, which I think is probably a a good a good objective, you know, because I think there's a great tendency for everybody to say we do loads of brilliant things. Well, yeah, you do loads of things, you know, not necessarily loads yeah. of brilliant things. But what you're competing against is just the kind of increased provision of the sheer amount of this stuff, radio, television, movies, whatever. That's just there absolutely all the time. And you can get lost in. And this is just one tiny, you know, part of, the, part of that landscape. And I, I don't know if you've found this, but, you know, I wholeheartedly approve of the BBC and so forth and pay my licence fee dutifully. But when I add it up, how much do I listen to or watch? It's probably reducing all the time. It's bound to be reducing all the time just because there's more because and more. Because there's stuff. so much else, isn't it? There's it, just so much else. Yeah, exactly. A lot, a lot of it is that, you know. Yeah. No, no particular reflection on what they do. It's just all these other things coming along all the time. And and you and me, we're quite an easy sell because we remember when there weren't loads of things. And so you pay the license fee or you did whatever because that's the way you got things. Whereas, you know, to our children, 
they've grown up with more and more and more of this stuff. They don't look yeah, there's certain around. things that the the, 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 the the BBC Four Rock documentaries are still very good, I think. Uh, and certain things when they came on were, were you know, a big deal. The, the Murdoch Dynasty thing recently. Uh, Mrs. America with Kate Blanchett. You know, have I got news for you? I think we're, we're still addicted to when it's on. But right. I mean, as you say, there's just the number of things that are absolutely essential. And part of it's because we're not listening to as much news anymore. We used to listen to the news all the time on the BBC, but when the news is, <laughs> it's the kind of nature of the news it is at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, and it's Brexit and it's H2S and stuff, you know, then uh, uh, H2S, HS2, what am I talking H-S- about? H2O. H2S, H2O, H2O, NTS. It's not terribly thrilling. Right. Not terribly thrilling. There's, there's a good name for a service, NTT. This is a junction in the word podcast. It separates that bit from this next bit. Have you got a new book out, Dave? Oh, yeah. Funny you should ask that, Mark. <laughs> Do you know, if you take part in our uh, regular weekly quiz, which next week is not on, on Friday as it usually is, next week it's on Sunday, you could stand a chance to win an autographed copy of this, Mark. You'd be thrilled about that, I wouldn't would you? I would be thrilled. Okay. You'd be absolutely thrilled. Uh, All my uh, Christmases would have come up with. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, that comes out in the middle of the month. And uh, talking of, of other Patreon benefits, we, we recorded uh, Word in Your Attic this week with the wonderful Jenny Colgan, didn't we? Jenny Colgan. Who was fantastic. <laughs> extraordinary. God, she was brilliant. She has, a, she has a ballroom in her house in Edinburgh as far she as She really does. She has a house with a... Well, the floor of it actually looked like an ice rink, but it was yeah. marble, wasn't it? Am I right? She has a marble-floored room. I mean, it's absolutely so that, astonishing. That'll, that'll be out amongst you as soon as. But if you've been a Patreon supporter, you would have been able to see that earlier because what's happening now is that all our material is available earlier to Patreon supporters. And uh, don't forget, if you're to be a Patreon supporter, means you get everything early, you don't miss anything, and also you get to take part in things like the quiz that we, we talked about. But also we offer you a, an opportunity to make your birthday, if you have a birthday coming soon, and everybody has a birthday coming soon, don't they? Really unique and memorable by actually allowing Mark Allen and myself, by the miracle of digital communication, to into, come to your into house, your home. into your home, and to in, do a special word in your attic with you. With you. With your, you've always come on a minute. You've always wanted to. You want to get your, your rare records out and impress your pals. Absolutely. So if you want to know about all that stuff, just go to patreon.com slash word in your ear to find out more details. Okay. Moving on. Did you see that uh, hot news in the world of music is something Bob Dylan said in, ooh, 1966. 1966. I know. <laughs> this just in. This just is in. It's brilliant, isn't it? It's, it's some interview he did. I don't know where he did it. But he, he, was, uh, he was indulging in his bit of his favourite um, pastime, which is being slightly, rather slighting about other artists. He always likes that, doesn't it's he? It's ramped up a bit like he's really disparaged the Beatles. But actually, he's, he's, he's just a little bit quiet about two of their compositions, isn't he? Michel and, uh, and yesterday. yesterday. And he says there's a lot of smoothness there. And he said, if you go to the Library of Congress, you can find a lot better than that. There are millions of songs like Yesterday and Michelle written in t- Tin Pan Alley. So it is pretty disparaging, I suppose. But you see, but- I think he's got a fair point. I don't know about millions, but I'm sure he's right that there are loads and loads of songs as good as Yesterday. 
in in the kind of uh, you know the great american songbook i don't think there's any doubt about that at all um and and you know what he's he's rather kind of sniffily <laughs> responding to is the fact that what happened with the beatles was that when they were so huge that once they wrote anything slightly outside of their normal wheelhouse people said look at what they've done over there you know what i mean this is Yesterday, what well, doesn't it? Frank Sinatra said it was the greatest love. No, no was it? No, it's George. It's Frank Sinatra said that something by George. He Harrison said something by George Harrison was, was the right. greatest love song of the last fifty years. No, it wasn't, Frank. It's just that you know it was written by a bloke with long hair, and yet it was your way of saying something nice about a bloke with long hair. And it makes you look good to associate yourself you with good. the new guard. Yeah, and so you know, yesterday. You know, which, which always comes out, you know, I don't know, top in you know, polls of most covered Beatles songs, doesn't it? It's not, I don't think it's all that extraordinary, you know what I mean? But it's it's a Paul McCartney solo, solo effort with a really novel string arrangement by George Martin at the time that nobody else did that kind of thing at all. And it's nothing like as exceptional as, I don't know, paperback writer or, you know, Stuff that they made as a group, don't you think? You know, this is this is why I, I do, but I, I also I also think that it's something to do with Dylan. Because in 1966, you know, Dylan was writing uh, uh, songs like you know, scathing lyrics like "Positively Fourth Street," and yeah. his idea of a love song at the time was "Sad-Eyed Lady of the Lowlands." You know, yeah. so he it, what he wrote was so much more um, kind of supercharged and poetic and complicated. He didn't write anything as direct as that, and therefore he wouldn't have been particularly persuaded by it. I mean, if you think of the songs he did write later on, like, like uh, If Not For You, it's a really yeah. good example of the most simple, yeah, straightforward yeah. love song that I think he ever wrote. But, interesting pop fact, he co-wrote that with a member of the Beatles. Oh, yes, he did. Uh, didn't didn't he? he, I think. So, uh, but otherwise, his songs, and Sarah too, Sarah is a fairly straightforward love song, but otherwise there just tends to be dimensions to his to his writing that are just complicated and poetic and he never writes anything that straightforward yeah so that's yeah. probably what he might have uh, might have uh, been uh exercised about at the time that it was it just be, too simple must be funny too bob, obvious and old-fashioned must be funny for bob dylan to roll out the bed in the year 2020 and you know Turns on, turns on these Google alerts. Or it discovers that he's hot news. <laughs> and goes, what, what have I only gone and done yeah. now? Dylan <laughs> trashes the Beatles. Sixty-six. It's absolutely extraordinary that you can still make news after all that time. Talking of anniversaries, you're saying this is the 30th anniversary of George Michael's most unfortunately named record in the history of popular music. Oh, it is, yeah. Um, listen, uh, listen to that Prejudice, uh, Volume 1. Which is, uh, I just thought that was an interesting, interesting record because A, the title, and B, the artwork. And a, C, the, a, the title, A, the I mean, title. A, the title. I mean, it is incredible because before that, he had Faith out, hadn't he? Which was an absolutely colossal seller. Yeah. And this is without prejudice. I mean, it did have, it did have its hits and uh, it has to date sold about 10 million copies, which I think is only half what Faith sold. But can you imagine what the record company must have thought when he went in and said, that's the cover? It's a picture of a load of people on Coney Island. It's it? a beautiful 19- picture. It's a, it's a beautiful picture. picture. It's a Ouija no, picture, I think it is. That's right. There's no mention of George Michael. There's no title. There's nothing. Oh, is there so, not? I don't think so. <laughs> you might be right. I think I've it here. Um, so can you imagine how astonished they must have been by this idea that you were going to kind of shoot yourself commercially in the foot? I've always, I've always had a slight problem with with. Uh, 
the words listen without prejudice because the whole uh, philosophy of the music business is getting people to listen with prejudice precisely it, prejudice in favor of things yeah, <laughs> because like, if you're, you if like you're... george michael it yeah. doesn't it doesn't just it's not anybody it's him you know what i mean that Entirely. was that's the deal you know the We're whole not point put... of prejudice is you've become a fan and you're yeah. devoted to this person and you will follow prejudice is what makes you buy records uh, by an artist that you like long after they've ceased to be any good, isn't it? Yeah. Because you're yeah. defending them. You know, you just don't, you don't want them to be disappointing. Yeah, so we're all in favour of prejudice as long as it's our prejudices. You know, we only have problems when it's somebody else's prejudice. <laughs> but um, talking, of, uh, talking of strange behaviour by rock stars, I think Ian Brown out of The Stone Roses has, has, has suggested we ought to be not wearing masks and just going out there and defying no lockdown, no tests, no tracks, no masks, no vax, and then hashtag research and destroy. <laughs> what does this mean? <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the idea, well, the idea that we're even talking about what Ian Brown has to say is kind of I know. You know, ridiculous. And John Squire has then, uh, has then felt moved to say, wear a mask, stay safe, look after yourself and others. And then hashtag Morecambe Wise, as if to suggest that you know that this is this is not company policy, whatever <laughs> Ian, whatever Ian Brown has decided. But but I think Van Morrison, you know, tweeted something similar a couple of weeks ago. You know, I think they're going they're going stir crazy. They've been too long at home. A significant well, others are saying, "Why don't you go out of the house?" I'm quite sympathetic really, because. <laughs> Because they have, and you know, well, we all have, but you know, but those I mean, they should be out there playing, and they must be agonised about, you know, you know, where it's all going to go, and uh, they've done enough jigsaws, Dave, haven't they? They've, now, they've baked all the sourdough <laughs> bread that they want to bake. They've given up. They're now eating out of tins. Do you think any of the, Do you think any of them have taught themselves a foreign language? Do you think? No, have, that's the point. Have they learned Italian? Uh, have they Have they read Proust? Have they um, Have they mastered the harp? Have they have they learnt the harpsichord? No, no, no sign of that. They've they've done a lot of computer games and talking, uh, watching terrible old movies. Talking to Ian Brown, I happened to catch on YouTube the other day because YouTube just once you like something, it serves you up more of the same thing. I happened to watch a clip, clip of the old Harry Enfield show. Well, boy, this is old, isn't it? Because this is when Kevin and Perry, when Perry goes off to Manchester and discovers Oasis. Okay. Oh yeah, it comes back converted. Comes back speaking, converted. speaking fluent Mancunian. <laughs> yeah, I'll leave it our kid. I like yeah. our kid. Sorted. And yeah. then do the doing the Ian Brown walk or the Liam Gallagher walk or whatever it is. Wearing a wearing a sheepskin coat with a painted, a painted on, on beard or moustache. That's right. He's absolutely <laughs> hilarious. It's genuinely funny. Kevin the teenager. The whole the whole strand. It's one of those things that never gets old, it seems to me. You know what I mean? You go and watch it years later, long after your own kids have ceased being teenagers. It's still very, very funny. And the, geni basic... the genius is that you can be horrible to your own parents, but you're really respectful to other people. Absolutely. Been... And if somebody's horrible about your parents, if you're horrible about your parents, and then one of your mates says you're absolutely right, you go, that's my mum you're talking about. <laughs> you become really defensive. Absolutely. I know. Oh, she goes, uh, yes, when, when Kevin's mum talks to Perry, he always goes, she always goes, how are you, Perry? He goes, 
I'm fine, Mrs. Patterson. Mrs. Patterson. <laughs> With that very sort of squeaky high voice. I know. I'm nervous. <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. So do you know what I'm doing after this? I'm what? doing I'm doing this, I'm doing a, a down the line filmed Oh, the Elvis Presley thing. TV interview. Yeah. But I, I just have to tell people, because the technicalities of this are absolutely fascinating. Uh, they, they got in touch with me a few weeks ago, and they're making a documentary. And they want talking heads. You know, we've all done that loads of times. You know, And normally what happens in the talking head, the talking head game, is they invite you to some ritzy hotel somewhere where they've set up a nice background, and they're rowing in loads of people one after the other at half an hour intervals. To, to pontificate and, you know, and add platitude, which they can then just snip in uh, amongst the musical... It's uh, the easiest archive. form of broadcasting <laughs> imaginable. <laughs> just, they just sit back and you come to them. Yeah. No, I've done those. Or, but they obviously can't do that anymore. Or they come to your house. And when they come to your house, they will say, well, we won't be there long. And you think, no, you will. You'll be there ages. And we won't cause much disruption. Oh, yes, you will. Yeah. You'll... You want to knock down a wall. Can we take that so, wall down? That's right, yeah. That goes the ceiling well, should be higher. Well, it's very different in this, in this current situation because they can't do that, obviously. So they said, we're going to send you the equipment. And I, I'm trying to find this little box here. They sent me, here we go. They sent me this. I got this through a courier. So in there, which is around about the size of a camera, isn't it? Um, in there was a mobile phone a very nice little mobile phone, a little tripod and some tiny microphones. And basically, you set up the mobile phone on your Wi-Fi. They have installed a little bit of software on it. You set it up on the tripod over there, and then they can see you 200 miles away perfectly. The director, the cameraman or whatever can sit there. They can adjust the shot. The, you know, the, the aperture, the lighting, all that kind of stuff. They can do everything they need to do. You record your output, your audio output locally and email it to them. They put it together. You never even meet them. It's absolutely astonishing. It's astonishing. Isn't it? <laughs> I couldn't believe this. You know, I said, you appear to have sent me a phone. They said, yeah, it's a phone. I said, what? She said, it's a phone with a really good camera in it. So it's the idea you can make stuff for broadcast quality now on HD, presumably, from a from a telephone. It's absolutely amazing. You know, when you still see you still see TV crews, they turned up, they got more equipment than Hitchcock would have had in 1945 or something, you know. Uh, whereas suddenly, and I'd be if you were in a if you're in a TV crew, you know, wouldn't you be slightly perturbed by that and think that actually you know, as we've know. discovered with lockdown, that there's loads of things that you don't need anymore and just can be done far more efficiently. With, it, uh, it, it is just amazing, as we've, as we've said more than once during this time, not that this stuff works, but that it works so well. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. You know, I was listening to a podcast the other day saying, even back in, you know, certainly back in the 70s and 60s, but even back in the 80s, most things didn't work. You know, you bought them, they broke. They, they, broke. Took, they took a lot of assembly, or they took a lot of getting going. That doesn't really apply anymore, does it? You get a mobile phone straight out of its box, turn it on, and it's doing what they, what they say it's going to do. It's absolutely astonishing.
So, so they send that to people all over the world. Everybody involved in this Presley thing. They, they're, the send, they're sending that to kind of eighty-year-olds and ninety-year-olds, contemporaries of Elvis Presley, uh, in Arkansas, and, and who are capable of assembling. Them. And they just talk them through it on Zoom. You know, it may take a little bit longer in some cases, but you know, it's the fact that they can do it is. It's pretty astonishing. It's absolutely amazing. So I think that's that's another case of, you know, I think I feel it's really important in this podcast that we should regularly uh, have one spot where we applaud something about the modern world. Absolutely. (laughs) I was sitting there grumbling. (laughs) (laughs) Hurrah! A good thing has happened. That's absolutely astonishing. Talking of good things that that have happened, that's happened, the sun's come out, Mark. Has come out this end too. Very exciting. I'm I'm going out to play. (laughs) Bye-bye. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.